Um, if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, we're going to go to the first book of the New Testament, then we're going to go to the first book of the Old Testament, and we're going to talk today about being married and about being single, and in so many ways we're going to talk about them at the same time, uh, because I think they actually relate fairly well to each other, um, and, and so I want to talk about a few different things. I want to tell you first, my wife's not here today, a uh, little man's sick um, and has been sick. We took him to Kansas City not knowing that he had strep throat. Um, we had taken him to the doctor. They didn't see anything at the time. Brought him back. The day we got back, took him to the doctor, found out he did have strep throat. Then I felt bad for being mad at him, um, for being so loud in the hotel room. We had a few nights of just not sleeping, and I'm pretty sure no one in the hotel did either. I feel bad about that. We snuck out every time. Um, walked him around the hotel, tried to get him quiet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any parents know the feeling? And, um, uh, but she's not here, so I get to talk about our marriage um, however I want to. And uh, it will most likely reflect very well on me. Uh, but my, I, met, I met Meredith, believe it or not, 20 years ago this year, uh, which is crazy. Um, so 20 years ago this year, would have been the end of the year, but still, uh, 20 years ago this year, we, we met at a church dance. That's not, it, that's not a joke. It's not like we, and it wasn't like, you know, we weren't dancing to Michael W. Smith. Um, we, it was like, it was like you know, good music and I, not good dancing, but it was good music. Um, and I remember walking, what happened is we had a new youth pastor uh, it was like my fifth youth pastor in four years. I was the resident youth pastor for whenever anyone else moved on, and then we'd fill in and all that good stuff. And, and so I remember this guy comes, comes in, and one of the ways that he had built an incredible youth ministry up north uh, is that he did something like this. He did a church dance, just maybe just to get some of this religious stuff off of some people. And, and um, I'm a fairly conservative church, but not, not bad. And, and, uh, and so, but for me, I grew up with crazy parents, so uh, conservative was not a word for us. Um, and uh, I grew up with some California kids teaching me how to do life. Uh, and I think I'm super appreciative of that. But I, um, I remember coming to this church dance, and it packed out. I mean, it was packed. I think part of it was just so people could see what you do at a church dance, like what actually happens at a church dance. And... Um, and so we, we showed up, and I'd, I'd obviously, this is my church, so I'd been there, and so I'm like holding it down. And I was dressed as I normally was, which was in oversized clothing. I don't know why, but I always, my shirts were always twice the size uh, that they needed to be. And I think maybe it was style, whatever it was. And uh, it was funny because for me in school, I was, not, I was a bit shy. I was a bit kind of, uh, you know, just not like the guy who was going to stand out front. That all changed in college, but at church, there was like 20 or 30 of us, and, and be thankful to my parents, I maybe was like one of the more normal, and so I kind of like, I kind of like stepped up to the front, so I was, at church, it was a different thing, so like, at church, I was, I was the guy, and I remember um, this girl walks in to this church dance, and it's like the waters, the Red Sea split, you know, and, and all of a sudden we saw each other, and she was wearing this luminescent, like, green shirt, she was uh, from a cowgirl, you know, family grew up in Decatur, I, we still have the picture somewhere, I don't know where it was, conveniently, uh, to show it on the screen, but we, but she, and I was wearing my surfing, you know, as best I could in Texas, wearing my surfing clothes in the middle of December, and, and I remember seeing her, and I, I don't know what got into me, me, but maybe because I was at church and I wasn't at school and I was maybe a little more confident in that space, I remember going over and asking her to dance, and we danced. And uh, I held her waist, 
um, and that's as far as I went, and, um, and then we just kind of danced a little, I don't remember what music was playing, and it was, I mean, it was like love at first sight, really, that's, that's probably not true, I just really thought she was good looking, and she is, and uh, she's only gotten better looking as we've gone on, so I did well, and, uh, and we went on our first date, went to saw You've Got Mail, anybody know what movie that Tom Hanks, you know, she fell asleep, she fell asleep in that movie, rightfully so, because it is boring, and uh, she fell asleep. I remember our first kiss out in front of her mother's house, and, uh, and, and she'll tell you that story some other time, because it's funny. I was trying to be macho. It wasn't, and, uh, but we first kissed. I remember all the things we did we shouldn't do. I remember all the things that we, we went to church together. She was not really an all-in you know, believer at the time. She, she kind of went to church every once in a while, so she got saved while we were dating. Come on, man. Build the kingdom. Find a wife. Hello. And, um, and uh, maybe in reverse. I don't know. Uh, I didn't actually lead her to Christ as one of our youth leaders, so I'm thankful for them. And uh, uh, so I remember all that. And I remember we dated for a long time. You know, we weren't together the whole time. Um, like maybe broken up for like a week. You know, you know how you do. You got to break up at least once to make sure it's real. And so we, you know, for seven years, because I went to college that very next year. And so we, we dated for seven years or so. We didn't get married until I was 25 at a year-long engagement. Um, you got to really make sure it's legit. We had to wait till she graduated. And so we had known each other for seven, eight years by the time we got married. Um, and it's funny. Um, I thought we knew each other. And then we got married. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Like, I thought I was a good person until I got married. And I don't mean like she was telling me I was a bad person. I just realized that I wasn't as good a person as I thought. I wasn't as patient as I thought. I wasn't as giving as I thought. I wasn't as nice as I thought. I didn't care about other people the way I thought. I wasn't as funny as I thought I was, you know. Um, I, I, I didn't make, and, and that's one of the challenges of being single. Let me just, and this is why I'm talking about all these different things. One of the challenges of being single is you think you know you. You, you, one of the challenges is that you think you know who you are, and then you get married. I've done enough marital counseling to realize that you don't actually know who you are until you get close to somebody. And it's why the fruit of the Spirit, most of them are, are, are predicated upon the fact that you are interacting with people. It's because there's no way to prove them until there is someone to prove them with. And so one of the great challenges of doing life uh, as a single person is thinking that you have it all together when you don't. And it doesn't mean you have to get married to figure that out. It means you have to have a depth of relationship with people where you can talk about the serious things in life. Because there is a blind spot in your life whether you realize it or not. That's kind of the point of it being a blind spot. And you have to have relationships so people can tell you about your blind spot. And so marriage is not easy. We've now been in it 11 to 12 years. Yeah, I gave myself some wiggle room there. And, uh, and we've been at it for 11 years, and, and, uh, and, 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 and it's not been easy. It's been challenging. The first couple years were very hard. Um, and, they've had been, and then there's been seasons in that where it's been really, really hard. And then there's been other seasons where it's been amazing. Uh, and I don't think marriage was ever meant to be all good all the time. I don't think you find anything out about yourself when it's all good. In fact, more often than not, you find out who you really are when things hit the fan. I think that's when you actually discover what you're made of and what God's doing in your life and what God still needs to do in your life. 
is when things get hard and when things get difficult and when you disagree. I remember the first couple of years, things that we had to talk about, things that I had to admit to her, things that we just walked through and dealt with and, and got some people around us and other times where we should have gotten people around us and we didn't and it took a lot longer for us to figure it out. And marriage is not easy, which is kind of why I don't understand why we do it. Why in a, in, a, in a world or a country where 50% of marriages, and I think the stat's a little bit skewed based upon some of the factors, but 50% in, in divorce, why do we keep going back? I think part of it is because there's something innate in us that understands relationship at its deepest level is important. And there's something that draws us to it. That when we love someone, we want to be with someone. And, but we are beginning to see in a lot of, uh, a, lot of uh, a generation that, that we're beginning to push this idea of marriage off. And I don't think it's because we hate the idea of marriage. I think it's because we don't understand exactly what marriage is for. And so we've started to get this idea about what marriage is for that's actually made us push it off. Because I don't know anyone who would reject a great marriage. I mean, when you talk about people who've been married in 40, 50 years, and you look at them and the way they interact and the way they love each other and the way they walk with one another and the way they do life, man, there's, I don't know anybody who would go, no, mm-mm, I do not want that. I do not want someone to know all of my, in, like, everything about me and still love me. No, mm-mm. I don't want anybody who could see me fail and say, you're going to get up and do it again. No, no. I don't want anyone to laugh with all the time. I don't want anybody in my life who can dance to worship music and, and hang out and think we're weird and crazy and like it all. Like, I don't want that. See, oftentimes what we're rejecting is not the, the, the perfect ideal marriage. We're rejecting what we've seen in other people's marriage. And so we're pushing it off. So we're, we're getting married later. Part of that is because we're living longer. But we, we've, begun to, we've begun to push it off and we've begun to go, well, I don't know if I want that and I want that and I want that and I want that. And so I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus says about marriage and what Genesis, the beginning, says about marriage. And maybe we can talk about, as we do this, what it's like to be single. I think there's some similarities here, in fact. Um, but I believe marriage is, is important. And, and the reason I want to talk about marriage, even with us in here being single, uh, is because I think one of the pursuits we have in our life is what causes us to push marriage away. And I think it's one of those things that actually causes us to walk into marriage. We know, I just know too many 25-year-olds who are divorced. And I don't mean that to condemn or to, to hurt people. But I, I mean that to say we've done a disservice to people if we've defined it in such a way that we would walk away from it. Yeah. And, and, and I know that's not always up to you. I, I get that. I, what I want to do is reset the framework of what marriage looks like so that when you decide to get married or get married again, that you've foundationalize this thing and put your feet in something that is firm and strong and vibrant because I believe God made this for a reason. I believe God created marriage for a reason. All right, so let's go to Matthew 19. Are you ready? Are you there with me? Matthew 19. Why do we do this? Matthew 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees approached him. I, okay, I love this. I know I'm only four words in. Get over it. So verse 2 Verse 2, Jesus comes into a new city, heals a bunch of people, and the first things the Pharisees want to do is trick him. When you get religious, when God's doing something and you're still concerned about your agenda. When God's at work in the lives of other people and all you can think about is what you want to get accomplished. All right? 
And so these Pharisees show up and they want to trick him. It says, large crowds follow him. For, sorry, verse 3. Some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? It sounds like my seventh grade self asking my teacher, what do I have to do to pass? <laughs> right? That's what it sounds like. What do I got to do to get by? Let me just tell you something. That if you ever ask that stuff, not just about your marriage, if you ask that about anything in your life, just prepare to not be good at it. You don't, you don't, you don't do, be good at something by, by just trying to just get by. You go, how can I be the best? And so they go, what, what do I got to do? You know, how, can we divorce our wife on any grounds? That should tell you marriage is hard. To even ask that question, obviously someone is struggling, Right? But there was actually two schools of thought based on two different theologians, two teachers of the day. And one was that you can. You can get divorced for any reason. Any reason. As long as you say, I don't want to be married, you can get divorced. And the other side was, it was very strict teaching of the law that said, you cannot get divorced outside of sexual immorality. Unfaithfulness. Those are the only two reasons. And so what they're trying to do, because they've thrown others in prison for the same question, what they're trying to do is get Jesus to pick a side. Don't we love to do that? We love to try to get God to pick a side. Pick a side. I want want to know who's right, who's wrong. And Jesus answers in an incredible way. He kind of begins to take their focus and begins to change it a little bit so we would stop asking the questions, what do I got to do just to get by? As I tell you, if you go into marriage or into any relationship going, what do I got to do just to get by? That relationship will begin to fall apart. Because a a relationship, and especially a marriage, requires all of you. It requires everything you've got. But in, in doing that, it changes everything you are. And you begin to walk into things that are new and fresh. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And so verse 4, this is Jesus' answer to the question, I'll remember the question, is it okay if I get divorced for any reason? That's the question. Now you tell me if you think Jesus actually answered the question. Haven't you read that he who created them, because there is a difference between them, we're going to talk about that later in this series, male and female, in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Then the two will become one flesh. Now we're going to go to Genesis 2 in a moment where he's taking this from. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. Then they go, why then did Moses command us to give divorce papers and to send her away? Man, they are really trying hard. It's like the guy who said, what is the greatest commandment? And God says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes, well, who's my neighbor? Right? Trying to go, well, somebody can't, not everybody's my neighbor. And Jesus tells a story of anyone you walk by. A neighbor is anyone other than yourself. And here are the Pharisees doing the same kind of thing. Can I get divorced for any reason? Well, haven't you heard about this? Don't let any man separate what God has put together. Yeah, but Moses said, right? Yeah, Moses said this. Why did he say this? And this is what, and, and this is, his answer is kind of like, because you wouldn't stop asking. He says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. But it was not, listen to this, but it was not like that from the beginning. In other translations you may have read, it was not, that is not how God intended it. 
So Jesus doesn't really answer the question, can you get divorced for any reason? What he does is takes their eyes off of divorce and says, this is what marriage looks like. Keep your eyes on what marriage should look like, that I've put you together. Don't try to take that apart. I want you to look at what marriage is. And I think that's our, one of our major issues today, is for many of us, we can say what marriage is, but we don't know what marriage is for. That there is an intentionality. That's not what God intended. God had an intended thing. God had an intended view of what marriage looked like. And I'm not getting into the social narrative right now. We will do that in the next couple weeks of man and woman and marriage. I'm saying what the concept of marriage, what does that even look like? And we started last week with the idea that love embraces other people's past. They take someone's feet and wash their feet. And Jesus says, this is the pattern of love. This is what it looks like to take someone's feet and wash them. Whatever they've walked through, whatever they've dealt with, whatever they're walking in currently, you are there to wipe it away so that we can walk in love. That's the pattern. And unless you get that, you cannot do what I've called you to do. Love is the pattern, embraces all the mess. And so he says, that's not what he intended in the beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. How are you guys good with that? Okay. Now I understand some of you going, you're single in here and you're going, well, you're still talking about marriage. I get it. I get it. I promise you, you'll find something out by the end of this. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, we've got to stop there because I've got to give you some context. Because I think we, this is really, really important. If we, if we read the rest of this without understanding where this is happening and when this is happening, we'll mess it up. So Genesis 1, God creates the earth. But, but what you see in Genesis 1 is kind of a big 30,000 foot view of creation. It's all the big things that happened. Uh, Genesis 2 is this roughly the same time frame, but it is zoomed in on the creation of Adam and Eve. And so it's kind of, it goes from a 30,000-foot view, drone view, right, to an up-close-and-personal view of relationship and of creation. In fact, you see some animals created in the, in the verses we're about to read. And so you see this kind of zoom in on what does life look like in this creation that I've put together. And so God is given Adam something to do. In fact, just in verse 15, it says that he put Adam here and begins to tell him certain things to do, certain things to make happen, certain things to, to name, certain things. He's giving him something to do. That's when God comes along and says, this is not good for man to be alone. There's a reason those are together, okay? And this is not good for man to be alone. This is the only time in the creation story we see this is not good. All the other times in the creation story we see good or very good. The only time we see it as not good is when Adam is by himself. Now some of you are going to go, well, no, 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 it's okay because, like, all you need is God. Adam had God. And he had pets. <laughs> and you know what else? He actually had a calling too. And God still said, this is not good that man should be alone. So that's the first thing about marriage. And I know, like, you, like I said, just single people hang out with me for a minute. We're getting there. The first thing you, you base a, a, a marriage on is, is, is friendship. The first thing, number one thing that, you, that what marriage is for is friendship. It's relationship. 
Why is it not good that he's alone? Because God isn't alone. God, God himself is the triune. There's three parts, and they always just glorify the other one. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Jesus glorifies God, and it just keeps going in this amazing circle of grace towards one another, and that's how we should live. That's how relationship works is honor, 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 and what you sow, you shall reap. If you will, if you will humble yourself, I will lift you up. We let other people lift us up because we have lifted them up, and it's just, it just works better that way. And so the first thing, and this is, I would challenge you, because for some of us, uh, we're looking at it and we're going, well, yeah, but, but if, so I have to be married to have friends? No, not at all. What God is really giving us is a glimpse of what, what friendship should look at its most ideal place, and that is marriage. Marriage should be some of the most healthy friendships on the planet, because you know everything about them, and yet you still love them. You do everything. You go out. I mean, I'll tell you, Meredith and I right now, like, we just like hanging out with each other. Like, I love y'all. But, you know, with our schedules and with everything that's going on, sometimes we just get, like last night, we just, we just stayed home, made some stew, some cornbread, hung out with our friends. I didn't make any stew. Mary made the stew. It was great. It's all based on the cornbread, though. And then uh, my wife and my son started making laugh noises. It wouldn't stop for like 30 minutes. They just laughed at each other for 30 minutes. And I, like, I got done with the night, and I was like, that was a good night. Like, that was awesome. And we just, just friends, man. Like, making each other laugh. And, and, and what I would challenge you, single or married, is look at your friendships. What happens in your friendships, in your closest relationships? What happens? Where do they end up? Where do they go? Do they last? Are they healthy? Are they vibrant? Are they life-giving? Are you life-giving? What happens in your friendships? Because God created us to do life together. It's why it's so sad that we now drive into our garage, shut the garage, and don't look at our neighbor because they might come over here and talk to us. Because God didn't create us to do that. It's no wonder we are growing more depressed while we're growing more isolated. We are not made to do life alone. And so friendship doesn't just work in marriage, but he is giving us a picture of what it looks like that marriage should be a friendship. So single or married, how is your friendship? What happens to your friendships? Now some of you are feeling pressure right now, and I'm not trying to pressure. I'm just saying, listen, if you aren't good at keeping friends, don't get married. No, Right? Some of you married people, talk to me. And I'm not saying that to, again, like this was something I had to figure out. In fact, I'm still, I was even thinking about that this week. I go, man, I'm not being a good enough friend. Life's busy, stuff's going on. I'm not encouraging my friends the way I should. I'm not hanging out with my friends as often as I would like. I'm not, there, there are things that I, I want to be better at as a friend. And I think that has to be the mentality. How do I do friendship? How do I do relationship? Because that will work its way into your marriage. And so whether or not you're married, friendship should still be something you strive to be good at. Because it's in that that you begin to discover what it looks like for marriage, what marriage should look like. Do you laugh? Do you hang out? It's why, why now when I have two kids, we have to do date nights. Because I love hanging with my kids, but not as much as I like hanging with my wife. Hey, look, the greatest gift I can give my kids is love my wife more than them. I, my kids don't need to see me kind of like my wife and only love them. That'll mess them up. They need to see me give everything for my wife. 
Even sometimes when I have to say, son, I'm taking your wife out tonight. Have fun. I'll be back. That's what I want them to know. It's relationship, friendship. I need to get on to the next part. Y'all ready? It says, it's not good that man to be alone. I will make, I will make a helper as his compliment. So the first thing is friendship. I think the second thing that marriage is for is mission. It's mission. Uh, in the Loveology book, which I would highly recommend, uh, it calls it gardening. And, 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 and the reason he's saying is Adam was there to, to cultivate what God had created. And it's important for us to understand that, um, that, that this is not a series that's a one, two, three on how to date. It's not that. It's an overall thinking on what love looks like. Because we'll figure the rest out. But if we don't understand what love looks like, what marriage looks like, and what doing life looks like, then, then figuring other stuff out may not really make any difference. And so the second thing is mission. Because he said, I want to give him a helper. Now some of you are going, well, that's derogatory. And I think many times people have allowed scripture to look like that. And they go, well, yeah, helper, that's, that's, you just don't think much of women. That's, that's bogus. I mean, you just watch Jesus Go, the only reason we have these laws is because you, the laws were in place so you couldn't bail on your wife. That's why they're there. They're so you couldn't just bail, on, especially in a culture where women who were by themselves were so marginalized and so hard to live. They didn't, they, was, no, you can't just walk away. I mean, it was it, it, like God loves all of us, and he made them, male and female, so we would know what it looks like to care for each other. And he says, gives him a helper. Now, listen, for some of you who think that's a derogatory term, you need to talk to the psalmist who also said, God is our helper. There's nothing about this term that is trying to say less than. He's trying to say there's a mission, and you cannot do it by yourself. And I need to put someone. In fact, if anything, it's an indictment on Adam. You can't do this by yourself. You can't do this all alone. You need somebody to help you out. And in fact, it says he begins to create all these animals and all this stuff and did not find a good helper. He says, I got to do better. I got to do a better one because that stuff is not working. Pets, if all you got is pets, it ain't going to work. Ladies, do not marry a man who doesn't have a project. Do not marry a man who doesn't have a mission. Fellas, if you want a lady, go get a mission first. Why? Because that is what women want to see. They want to see a man, whether or not he changes it in a few years because God does things and God moves things. Like, I need to see somebody trying something. Part of marriage is that we would marry somebody with a mission because it is not about being happy. Marriage is not about being happy. Happiness is a result of a healthy marriage. Happiness is never the reason. It is always the result. And if you make it the reason, I want to be married to be married because I want to be happy, you're going to be let down. I am not meant to make Meredith happy all the time. Because if I was, I've failed a lot. And the same thing for her. It is not all up to her to make me happy. She's not failed quite as much. But I, I, we are not here to make, obviously I want to cause happiness and joy and, and life, but I, that's not, the, the goal of marriage is that we would help each other become who God's called us to become. 
The goal of marriage is that I would find somebody and go, I'm committing my life to you to continue to walk with you, to fight for your future and what God's put in your heart and what God has done in your life so that we could continue to build each other up. That's why everything that is trying to get you away from it is based upon your happiness. Because if you think marriage is about your happiness, you will look for anything to make you happy. But not everything can fulfill the mission God has given you. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are days when I'm not doing well. And what I need is not Meredith to crack a joke to try to make me happy. What I need is someone to come alongside me, grab me by the arm, lift me up and say, we're going at it again. We're not quitting. You know what, maybe try it different this time. Maybe do it with a bit of a different view or maybe say it a little different. And what's good about this is that if happiness is not the goal of marriage, then happiness cannot be limited by marriage. So if you're single, you don't have to look to marriage. Marriage is not going to be the thing that all of a sudden makes you happy. Marriage is not a substitute for God. You can be happy outside of. Marriage is that we'd find someone who would go, man, I want to do this with you. I want to go after this with you. So for some of you, your marriage has fallen apart, not because uh, God doesn't have anything for you, but because you've spent all your time just trying to stay married. How about, how about you spend more time figuring out what your mission is? What's your calling? Believe in each other. Go, I'm going to fight for that. Don't get married to somebody who doesn't have a mission. Now, they may still be trying to figure it out, and you can help them along in that. But at least find someone who's trying. At least find someone who's out there gardening that has at least started the process of figuring out what things look like. You guys still with me? Not good for me to be alone. I will make a helper as his compliment. So I started forming all this stuff. And that's interesting. It says, so the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought to each to the man to see what he could call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. And that's why you see the pattern here in a moment with Eve. But the man gives give names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found as his complement. It's interesting. Everything God had tried before this was built out of the ground. But the one he makes for marriage was built out of the man. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs, closed the flesh to that place, and then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one, at last, is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman. Wow, creative. For she was taken from man. I'm going to spare you the corny church joke. Whoa. Man, verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Bonds is another word for, yeah, you know what. Both the man and his wife were naked yet felt no shame. Listen, if anybody had a reason to get divorced, it was Adam and Eve. I want you to just, I'm just, I'm going to list the ways. You made her move out of paradise. Done. Right? You listened to a snake. We were perfect. And here's the kicker. Here's the one I might have 
nope, done. We don't get to be naked all the time anymore. Like, man, I wish, Meredith, all day. Sorry, maybe I'm getting inappropriate. No shame, man, no shame. If anybody had a reason, all the things that you could have done, you messed up all of creation. <laughs> That's a good reason. But God put this thing together. And that's the third one. The third one of what marriage is for is, is sex. I took you out of the man. I'm putting you back together with the man. You're made different for a reason. Difference has never been a thing to, to scoff at or to make light of. We champion, and we're going to talk again. We're going to talk about this. I, I want to be sensitive to this. I, I, I want you to understand. I'm not just going to talk off the cuff on things, but, but understand in every area of life, we're trying to embrace difference except when it comes to male and female. We want to be tolerant of, and we want to make sure that we're championing anyone who's a different color. or any, But then when it becomes, I'm, I'm this or that, that, well, no, no, they're no different. And we're going to talk about that. I don't think it's just an easy conversation. I don't think that's a simple conversation. I'm not trying to make it small-minded. We're going to get into those things. I think there's valid concerns and valid conversations to have. But sex was part of marriage. And here's what you have to understand. Sex was meant to be, sex was meant to be a sign of a covenant. It was meant to complete what was already started. It wasn't meant to be the beginning of. It was meant to be the signature on the contract that said, this is what I want. That's what it was intended for. And it speaks to the deepest part of us. That's why when, when Paul talks about sexual sin, he talks about it as a sin against yourself. Because it messes with your own soul. It messes with your own heart. It doesn't just hurt other people. It hurts you. You begin to treat people differently. You begin to treat people in different ways. And here he is going, no, no, this, don't, don't take this apart. This is meant to be done in a context. We're going to talk about it in the next couple weeks. And then the last one, both the man and his wife were naked yet felt no shame. Earlier, in, in fact, chapter 1 says, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. It's for family. Now, I understand that, you know, we even had just recently uh, sharing a story of Shane and Talisha uh, finally being able to conceive and you know, have a little baby uh, boy here pretty soon. I'm super excited about that. I understand, though, that it's not always just straightforward and simple and easy. I get that. It's not the only way you can father and mother people and be fruitful and multiply is just simply through having kids. I, I, please don't get me wrong there at all. But there is a desire in us to reproduce ourselves. Part of our frustration in life is that we can't move forward and, move, and, and send more things into the future of, that look like us. One of the great joys of my marriage is my children. That's why it is so painful when things don't happen the way we want them to happen. It hurts. It's hard. Because I think that's part of the reason we get married. Is to join together. And intimacy always produces multiplication. And that can be positive and negative. If you get intimate with the wrong people, you will multiply and produce things that are negative. You get two people who love to gossip together, guess what they multiply in? Not praise. When we get intimate with each other, we reproduce ourselves. So I want to give you two things. 
I want to give you two things. And I, I think, honestly, and I know some of you are going, wait, wait, where's the single part? Well, number one, if you're single and, and you're looking, you need to know this. Because I've seen way too many people get married to be happy. I, I'm not saying you won't be happy. I'm saying if that's the reason you get married, you'll get married to anybody. As long as they make you happy for a little while. Make it more than that. Make it bigger than that. Make it what it's really for. And you will end up happy. But let happy be the result, not the reason. Do not get married to get married. Because that will fall in on itself. Because God is there for you. So this is what I want to tell you. Married people, listen. One of your great privileges in life is to show people the, and to make visible the invisible. To make visible the love that Christ has for us in your marriage. That is one of your great responsibilities, in fact, as a married couple, to show people what it looks like to love people at its highest level. What it looks like to make keep no record of wrong. What it looks like to serve one another. What it looks like to believe in one another. What it looks like to hope all things, believe all things, endure all things. That is one of your great joys, is to show the bride of Christ. What does that look like? That's why Paul begins to compare the church and the bride. That's why he puts those things together. It's because they are you as a married couple are meant to show people what Jesus' love for us looks like. Single people, your happiness is not dependent on finding someone. Let me say this to you. You have the privilege of showing people the all-sufficiency of Jesus. You have the privilege and, and honor of being able to show us what it looks like, regardless of married, unmarried, or whatever, that Jesus is more than enough. You have a, the, the incredible privilege of being able to show us the depth of relationship that is found, that you don't have to sell yourself short for everything the world is trying to tell you about how you should be acting and where you should be going and what you should be doing with your life and your body. That Jesus is more than enough for you. And that doesn't mean get weird and only hang out by yourself. It, it simply means... That nothing shapes you more than he does. Nothing fulfills you more than he does. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you can do that, watch when you get married, how that actually makes your marriage stronger, not weaker. If I can lean in on Christ, trust the Holy Spirit, worship God in every day of my marriage, my marriage will be better. And if we can both do that, man, the sky's the limit. But all of that is dependent upon this, that we know Jesus and his redeeming power and his redeeming love for us. It's all dependent upon that. That all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And that we would not simply know what marriage is, but we would know what it is for. Because God did have a why when he created male and female. He did have a why when he created marriage. When we talk about all that that opens up the next couple weeks, from sex to sexuality to male to female to romance. We're going to talk about all those things the next couple weeks. But wherever you're at, whatever season you're in, wherever you're sitting, please, please begin to get a framework for what it looks like to be in total union with him. Please begin to understand that your marriage is not going to end up making you happy unless it is first there 
to make you healthy, to begin to understand things. Do you know marriage, uh, there's a false theologian that said this about marriage, and I'm going to close with this. Um, the false self is who you are now. The true self is who you are becoming. And in our singleness and in our marriage, both of those, th- th- that's very true. That who we think we are now is not fully who we are. But who we are becoming is our true self. And that's what God is trying to take us to, both in our singleness and in our marriage. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much for today. And I know, God, I didn't give everybody these like one, two, three steps. And I didn't uh, try to tell them exactly how they should do everything as a single person or as a married person. I pray that what I did do is reframe what it is to be married and what it is to pursue relationship. Lord, that I understand that my friendships say a lot about me. And I pray that I would begin to walk with you. And I pray that we as people would begin to understand the power of relationship. We'd begin to understand the power of right definition. That we'd understand the power of all the things you've caused, all the things that you intended for us from the beginning. And God, while we are in a a, a culture and a, a narrative right now that may be a bit confusing and difficult, because it is. When we're dealing with someone's identity and sexuality and what marriage should like, look like or shouldn't look like or what it is to be single. and Lord, There's a lot of different opinions and ideas, but God, at the beginning of time, you had a purpose. And God, I pray if, if anything we got out of today is that every one of us would begin to live life with a purpose. Live life with a purpose, with a mission, with an intentionality. And in doing so, we'd begin to attract to us the people that are going to help us do that and who we are going to help do their mission and purpose. God, wherever we're at, whether we are single, divorced, widowed, engaged, married, should be engaged, whatever it is, God, I pray that we understand that all this is based upon our right relationship with you, our good, healthy, vibrant relationship with you, because you are also our helper. You have created us for good works. You have made us with a purpose and mission in mind. I pray that our marriages, every day we wake up and go, how can I help them? Not out of my own, uh, my own wisdom, but out of God's grace towards us as a family and as a marriage and as a single person. God, I pray that we would. God, how can I How can I help people become all they're created to be? How can I encourage people in what God's called them to? How how can I bless them and love them into their future? God, how can I simply serve them when it feels like everything's dying around them? How can I bring life into difficult moments? God, as we do that, because you're doing that in us, but I pray you would begin to reveal to us what relationship looks like and how it can thrive. I just want to pray real quickly over, um, well, anyone who struggles where you're at in life. Maybe your marriage is struggling. I want to pray over that. Maybe you're struggling with the fact that you're single. And for single for a variety of reasons. Maybe there's something recent in the past that's caused you some pain, some difficulty. Maybe you're married and things are good, but you want them to be great. I just want to pray over where you are in your season of life. And I want you to participate. So I'm going to just ask you, 
real quickly. I know this is a little bit bold, a little audacious. I told you, though, the icy weather gets to me sometimes. makes me do things I wouldn't normally do. If that's you and you go, you know what, God, I know you have a plan, purpose. I'm a little frustrated with it. (laughs) God, I know my marriage could be better, and I want it to be. So I'm going to surrender it to you. I have a good marriage, but I believe it could be way better. I believe, God, you have a great thing for me. I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm not just going to ask you to raise your hand today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I think it's one of those things you just sell out for. You go all in on. If that's you right now, would you just, because I want God to just wipe away some old stuff, get rid of some bad thinking, redeem some hearts, restore some marriages. I think it takes all of us who we are, surrender. Would you just right now, would you get bold in your own life? And uh, would you just stand real quick? I want to pray with you. If there's anybody who's just going, God, I, I want your grace on my marriage. I want your grace in my relationship. Would you just stand? No, don't, we don't raise, normally we raise hands. I'm just, I just have a sense that maybe if some of you, your partner needs you to stand up. If some of you, you're single, you just need to make a decision. That Christ is going to be all sufficient for me. Anybody else? Thank you so much for those of you who stood up. Anybody else, real quickly? Now I'm going to have everybody stand in just a moment. Jesus, thank you. Would everybody stand up real quickly? Let's pray. God, I pray over every marriage, God, every relationship, over every single person in the room. God, where some people feel like marriage is archaic, it's some weird thing. No, God, I pray you bless it. I pray you overflow. God, I pray where us in the church get too too bent out of shape on someone not being married. God, I pray you get rid of those stupid things. God, I pray that we would bless people and encourage people. I pray that we would love them fully and completely. And God, more than anything, we would love people into a place where they relate to you. God, in marriages, that we'd lean on you for our joy. God, in, in our singleness, that we would lean on you. And God, I pray that every married couple Lord, I pray that they would begin to show us what the invisible looks like, that love that goes beyond anything else. Lord, I pray for every person here who's single. God, I pray that they would know the sufficiency of Christ, that they would know the depth of relationship found with you, and God, that that would be the greatest witness of their lives. God, I pray that every one of us would stand firm on the fact that marriage was not an accident, it was not just something, God, that we're not trying to figure out how we can get out of it for any reason, but God, there was an intentional thing, that there was a purpose to it, that there was a reason for it, and that it was made that way from the beginning. God, I pray that we'd be a church that celebrates people who give their lives to one another and does it with everything they have. I pray you would restore and renew hearts. God, I pray that you would make right. I pray that you would move in our hearts in Jesus' name. And God, I pray right now for every person, Lord, who needs to give their life to you. God, who needs to give their heart to you. Just like Jesus did for the church, his bride gave his life. And our marriage is the same way. That we give our lives for one another. That husbands would give their lives for their wife, for the family. God, I pray that we would commit our lives to Jesus, surrender ourselves to you, so that we would know what it is to know fullness of life. To what it is to be able to put more weight on the bar and see the Holy Spirit champion us and help us into the next season of our life. God, I thank you that we surrender everything we are, that we might know the grace and the love of a Savior. 
God, I thank you every person in here. We would know you fully, completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing together.